0: From "Born in the USA" to "Death to My Hometown," this is you, Spring and Springsteen on my bean—the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things Bruce. This is good rock and roll uh, music. I hit the posts just in time. We're back to that theme song. We're huh? back to that. I decide it's a new year, new theme song. Um, that the old adage: "New Year, new theme song." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Happens to every podcast. It really does. It happens to every podcast, every TV show, mm-hmm. every movie, every band that has a theme song. That's right. The Hey Hey We're the Monkeys. That That's was right. only one year in particular. Or was Wilco the song. Yep. <laughs> um, also, every person has a theme song. That's right. What What was your theme song? I, I remembered some of the lyrics. Yeah, it's uh, it's a old uh, traditional oh hymn a hymn really yes that. Something yeah. akin to the old rugged cross, perhaps, or... Something akin to that. Do the yeah, lyrics certainly. involve you uh, being crucified at all, or... Well, I think, in a way, all lyrics... Yes. Uh, ...are, you know, involve a crucifixion of some sort. That's right. Either Be it metaphorically, most of the times literally. Mm-hmm. Some most of the best of the songs time. in the world, I'm trying to think. Uh, satisfaction. Sat- yes, I can't, I, get, I can't no get satisfaction. No... When you put me on that cross, yeah that's a really that's, that's an a literal obvious. that's over, a yeah. blatant one, I think also though, if you think about a song like let's say um uh, name a song. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you can't name one song? I was trying to think of that Carly Rae Jepsen song. Uh, Call Me Maybe or Yes, 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 yes. Call Me Maybe. All about, of course, a a kind of crucifixion, if you will. Calling someone to crucify someone else. Maybe. But perhaps possibly. Why were you thinking of that Carly Rae Jepsen song? I'm always thinking of that Carly Rae Jepsen. I had her on my TV show. She was a delight. I'm sure. Um, And a big fan of uh, her output. Yeah. You know, she is prolific. Like every couple of years, there's a new record. I mean, I wouldn't call that prolific. Is it not? (laughs) (laughs) And let. by the way, let's take a look at these dates on Carly Rae Jepsen. I thought it was because she took a long time in between. But I thought now every two years, that's a lot of output I guess uh Lana Del Rey is what you could call prol- she she puts out lots of albums. Okay, so uh Emotion her big breakthrough 2015, mm-hmm. Dedicated 2019, 4 years. 4 years prolific. Like I said 2 years. <laughs> <laughs> the Loneliest Time 3 years later. So three. that's I mean a Total little more specific. prolific. Yeah, that's Let's see. Yeah, 2 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Carly Rae, if you're out there, uh, being the prolific writer that you are, That's you're, right. you're probably due for another one in a but couple of years. But look at Lana Del Rey's output. Yes, she's very, pl- uh, plural <laughs> <laughs> Um, sometimes two in one year, she'll put it. I know. She's it's like a, a modern day prince in that way. Impressive. 2010, 2012, 2014, 2015, 2017, 2019, 2021, 2021, 2023. Right? That's that's almost that's like th- ten albums in a year. I know, that's almost too much. Lana Del Rey, cool it. Slow it down. Slow it down. I don't have time to listen to your first album, let alone your She's great. Yeah. Uh What's up, Adam? By Ooh. the way, this is Adam Scott. Hi, everybody. Uh what's say, going on? Say hi new, to Scott. Yeah, Scott Aukerman Ackerman. New year, new theme song, New Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say. What are your resolutions, if I can ask about those? It's a really good question. It's a you. question that around this time of year, mm-hmm. not a lot of people ask. No, you don't get that. You also don't get the greeting, Happy New Year. It's like you, you just- Or the farewell, Happy New Year. You just made your resolutions. You want to talk about them with people. No one asks. No one asks. It's like, they're right on the tip of my tongue. right. Why else did I come up with these stupid things? Just just to make fucking chit-chat with the likes of you. Yeah. I guess I'll just say them in the mirror again. (laughs) What are they, by the way? Uh, I don't know. I haven't made any yet. How about you? You haven't made Oh, really? So what's the statute of limitations on resolutions? Because it's the second right now. So if you don't get on it, boy. Three years. Oh, you have three years to do them? Yep. And then, if you've recto, see, that's the thing. Why don't more people do retroactive resolutions and just cover what they already did that year? You know, like I want to work out really hard the first two weeks of the year and then kind of drop it for three months. My New Year's resolution is to not go to, I don't know, Poland. Well, Poland <laughs> doesn't. Well, let's say France. Oh, wait, you did go to Poland already <laughs> yeah, this year? Of course I did. <laughs> on, on, on January 1st? Um, Fran- uh, my New Year's resolution is not to go to France. In 2023, I did not go to France. Let me tell you the years that that would have been applicable to me 2023. Right. 2022. Mm-hmm. 2021. 2020. 2018. 2017. 2019 (laughs) i think uh, to be completely honest with you scott if you went all the way back to 2019 i could have kept that resolution what happened in 2018 you ended up no i think in 2019 i was there you were there you ended up in france i believe so Ooh la la yeah what happened you know it's great if you go to france if you find yourself in france Mm -hmm. go to the nearest pastry shop get yourself a croissant that's right. There's... Um, it's a, a... Why don't you explain uh, what that uh, is? Uh, croissant is a pastry, flaky pastry... Uh, Very uh, delicious. B- uh, buttery. Mm. Um, flaky is a great word uh, for it. Flaky, although not the kind of flaky that maybe you're thinking of when you're thinking about someone who shows up 10 minutes late to a <laughs> recording. Yeah. <laughs> And announces he has to leave early. <laughs> not not that kind. Not that kind. It's totally <laughs> to be different clear. Flaky. Dude, we know what you're thinking, audience. <laughs> not that one. Uh, the kind, the delicious kind. The delicious kind of flaky. Flaky, buttery melts mm-hmm. in your mouth. Uh, yeah, D- they don't have them in America, so people may not be familiar. You have to go to France again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure, they have the Americanized version. Sure, yeah. You go to McDonald's and get maybe a ham uh, breakfast sandwich on uh, on an American version. A croissant Yeah, croissant sandwich is what Which they is it, way yeah. better than They're any so croissant than, you get oh in France. God. Don't go to France. No. Don't ever go to France. Go to, why would to go McDonald's. Go to, go to McDonald's. And get a croissant Why would you ever go Do to Do they France? call them croissant in uh I, at McDonald's? I, I'm marveling at your pronunciation of these. Oh, it, that, do you call was... do you call sandwiches sandwiches? <laughs> no, but because a croissant, you call it a croissantwich. Shh, shh, no. You yes. call it a croissantwich. No, it's a croissant. <laughs> I think the sandwich part of it trumps no, but there's the, the croissant part But of there's it. not enough of the word croissant in, in it if you cut it off at, at the cross. croissant. Crus, speaking of which the cross the crucifixion there you go it all comes all back. comes back to we just celebrated his birth coming up in a few uh, months spoiler alert dude's gonna die he's back <laughs> but then he comes back and then he just floats away after about a month <laughs> <laughs> oh boy an interesting story i i gotta say the three-act structure of this story is uh, no, it's a little it's, wonky it's classic in <laughs> it's wonkiness C- guys born guy dies, guy comes back month later, floats
1: away. <laughs> Again,
0: gone. <laughs> bye-bye everyone, bye-bye. Uh yeah, so anyway, that's basically it. It's just crucifixion and uh, croissants. Yeah. 2024 is going to be an amazing year for us because uh-huh. uh you and I are celebrating a huge anniversary. What are we going to do for this uh 10 anniversary? I know, we, uh, I, I think we're going to wind up at 97 episodes before you have to leave, so it's not mm-hmm. even like we could do a hundredth for the 10th anniversary mm. or anything, unless we really boogie and get a couple more episodes in the can. Well, unless we, uh, I don't know, pick another artist and do some- <laughs> Do two random episodes while, with you in New York? Do I have to fly out there to do these? Well, remember, we, we were doing them uh, remotely yeah, for a while. and they sucked. Did they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what were we? What, what We did were, talking heads. Talking heads. We did it remotely? Yes. But it was it was a yeah, lark, you're right. it was a you're lark right. during COVID that we decided. We did them remotely from L A. Yes, from our but then we houses. did some from uh, when I from was from New, New York. York. Yeah, we did. We we did we did some. Uh, I think we did a few Red Hot Chili Peppers episodes that M- were, were never <laughs> put out into the no, world. No, no, we put no for uh, their last couple. of <laughs> Oh, rides. that's right. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. To your chagrin. Yes, I still stand by that. Uh, the unlimited love. That's I like that with uh, aquatic mouth dance. Yes, with aquatic <laughs> mouth dance. So you like that song better than any other song? I would, uh, that's, I believe that was one of my uh, cuts to the album. Was it really? I believe so. Aquatic Mouth Dance. I would have left that one off. Why is that? Because of the title or because of the- Well, that's part of it, sure. Uh, No, it's just, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Who knows? I think this might be an episode of- I don't remember. <laughs> sure, we could do that one What next. were you gonna say? I was gonna say the red hot chili peppers, though, but I oh, I'm no I'm perfectly happy to do I don't remember. No, let's let's let's, no, let's you know it, what let's wait. do them both. Let's do them both. I
1: don't
0: I don't I it, From airplane to the Oh, I don't song. remember. Zephyr song. I don't remember. From My For, Friends to the Zephyr song? I don't remember. No, from... <laughs> from... What's one of their first songs? I don't remember. Ugh, God,
1: I don't remember. I don't
0: remember. Bye. Bye. Wow. A strange combination of podcasts. I like it when people decide to do like crossover episodes yeah, yeah but that one was unsatisfying remember when csi and two and a half men did the crossover Loved episode it. they did not <laughs> they did they did and did? supposedly the writers didn't
1: of get along
0: sho- no no they swapped shows so the csi writers wrote two and a half men and the two and a half men writers wrote csi why do I not? Did I not know this? <laughs> you should see them. It's, did it's, you see them? I saw them. Yeah. And so two what? two and a half men is filled with like things like people getting punched in the gut, and then you'd zoom in on their intestines and see. <laughs> oh, so they didn't try and write a comedy episode. Here's what I think happened: is is they they did the first draft. And then, and then Chuck Lorre just just came in and yeah, cleaned yeah, everything yeah. up, you know, and, and vice versa for the for the CSI writers. They're like, okay, good try. We'll, yeah. we'll turn this into an actual episode. Now I feel like I'm not going to see those. Come on, just watch them. Okay, let me watch them real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. And wow. we're back. Those were uh, super interesting, very funny, and super uh, dramatic and yeah. gory. I don't know if I can watch that sort of stuff. I know, it was so gory. It was... Like the investigations are interesting, but they get all the blood and guts. I can't do it. And the the bile and the piss and the shit. I mean, I, <laughs> I would love if one CSI episode they were to arrive and not be like, "There's fucking shit everywhere. everywhere. This house is filled with shit. <laughs> this is like Diarrheaville." Have you ever been to Diarrheaville? I haven't. Have you been? By the way, wasting away in Diarrheaville. Yeah, uh, we lost a, a legend. Uh uh Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> that was a sad one, I got to say. Yeah, you uh I I've, I've been to his restaurant a few times. I've I saw him live. Really? Yeah. In right. high school. In he was in high school or you were in high school? He was in high school. <laughs> uh so you went to his high school? Yeah. And you saw him? I saw him. I time traveled. What was he doing? He was wasting away in Margarita. His, he went to Mar- Margaritaville High. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Great place, really mellow school. What, a lot what of kicking class, back. What were pick, the classes that you would take at Margaritaville High? You could major. There's a high school where you could pick a major, major in kicking back, kicking back, and a minor and taking it easy. <laughs> Shit, man, I want to go to there. A uh, lot of flip flops. <laughs> yeah, it, was that like uh, the school uniform, just flip flops, flip flops, like Tommy Bahama shirt, Tommy Bahama shirt, and some cutoffs, oh, and then just they, they didn't have a football team, nothing. Just taking a nap. That's that's what they did in the hallways. So Tommy Bahama shirt and cutoffs. It's A lot like, of hammocks everywhere. Oh my god! Yeah, hammocks more trouble than they're worth. I don't yeah. know. What I've do you never think? Never been a fan. I th- I think crab uh, claws like eating ha- them. Yeah, eating them in hammocks are the two things that like you go. Oh my god! I would love to go on vacation. And, like lie around in a oh, hammock yeah, eating. It'd be crab so claws. relaxing. And both of them are just like fucking stress inducers the entire time you're on the hammock you're like "Uh, uh,
1: or
0: or getting (laughs) getting into the fucking thing oh that's a piece of cake oh getting out oh love it but on it "Uh, uh, is this an episode of "Uh, I think so Everyone, welcome to. <laughs> this is Scott. And this is Scott. <laughs> and.
1: <laughs> Bye. 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 I
0: don't know that I would listen to a second episode. <laughs> I don't either. I don't feel like they accomplished much. <laughs> Well, look, God love him for trying to trying to start a podcast. Sure, more people need to start podcasts. You know what? I remember being on a vacation somewhere and there being a hammock and getting into it, and the kids were little and just kind of finally finding some balance and and trying to relax. And anytime a kid would come up and try and jump on you or even like a slight to tap breeze, you on the shoulder, of the like, whole thing would capsize. Yeah, who
1: Terrible. needs it? <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, by the
0: way the same noise that i make when i try to eat crab I try to get it out of, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> try to get it out of the fucking we had it on christmas day uh, we had a, a seafood uh, 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 feast of huh? uh, lobster and crab and crab, uh. just, crab is like you get so little of it and it tastes fine. It's a lot know? of work, but then it seems like I'm always surrounded by people who have a little tool and they're gracefully pulling out these giant pieces of meat. Yeah, and I'm never able to retrieve the the big, yeah. nice, juicy meat. You pieces. you have the little tool and you're not able to, <laughs> to pull out a right giant my... piece of meat. <laughs> Everyone else is using <laughs> these little these little metal tools, and I'm pressing my penis against it. It's like, why doesn't this work? I uh you know, I, I read an interesting article about lobster that um it it used to be like garbage food that you would yeah. feed to like uh uh the workers at the yeah. factories basically because to, they're to the, bottom feeder animals yeah. lobsters and crabs to right? the point where people had to to say no more lobster they had to write that into their contracts of like please stop feeding us lobster really yeah wow. and now we we sit around it's ex- ex- expensive and we go like oh lobster it's so good and it's yeah. like it it fucking sucks right I like lobster. I like crab a lot too, but I agree yeah. that it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I, I, you, you wish there was like someone you could pay. Like I, I need to put on staff like a lobster and crab guy. Oh yeah. I have a guy you can use. You have a guy? I pay him full time. It's always, always there. Always at your beck and call. That's right. He lives in the refrigerator. <laughs> How tall is this guy? Nine feet tall. Nine feet tall. This is this is not a refrigerator sized man. He folds up nicely. Oh he does but we also had to get an enormous uh, refrigerator. Oh, that's true. Yeah. How big is your refrigerator? It's nine and a half feet. So he has some he has a little leg room. Yep. Can stretch himself out a little bit. But it's half a mile deep. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a whole little setup. I forgot in there. that your place is like a full square mile. Yeah, it's it's huge. Yeah, and it's underground, entirely underground. Enti- yeah, you, your refrigerator is like the door swings up. Yeah, because it's deep into the ground. Remember the kind of military base in War Games that they drive into underground? Wait, is this an episode of Who else is in War Games? <laughs> I think it is. Hey everyone, welcome to Who Else Is in War Games. This is Scott, and this is Scott. Episode two, yeah, the the second episode of the show, the inaugural episode. I feel like we covered we covered Matthew Broderick, we covered Ali Sheedy, Dabney Coles, the Dabs, uh, the Dab Man. We covered the dog, the dog. Oh, the the mom who eats raw corn. We I don't think we talked about her in episode one. We didn't. Um, I'm not raw corn. Yeah, she doesn't cook the corn, and the dad is like, why? Uh, are Wait, this, we, is, this is legitimately part of War Games? Yeah. He's she like, doesn't cook corn? The, the, the corn is raw. She's like, yeah, there's all the, we have all the nutrients. Uh, this is part of War Games. War Games, yeah. They wasted like five minutes of valuable screen time talking about raw corn. Well, yes, but they're establishing that his home life is not fu- what are you you're on fulfilling. your phone right now are you looking up war games corn yeah i'm looking up <laughs> w- war games you can buy war games corn you can war Su- games branded corn susan davis played susan his mom davis william bogert was his dad and they were Wait, arguing look, about the corn are you not looking being up who is who else is in war games no i'm just remembering because you know that's one of our first rules: we can't look up who else is in war games. Yeah, Otherwise, know. the podcast is going to end. Right. I know. I was looking at my. Okay. Do you Ring remember anyone app. off the top of your head? Uh, Ali Sheedy, Dabney Coleman, Matthew Broderick. Um... Oh, you know who who uh, who else was in that movie was? Uh... I mean, off the top of my head, I would say John Wood. Barry oh, John Corbin. Wood. Barry Corbin, Dennis Lips, oh, Joe Dorsey, Kent Williams, Michael Ensign, William was, Bogart, was Lips uh, Lips Irving Cormen. Metzman, John Spencer, Michael Madsen, Alan Blumenfield, James Tolkien, Drew Snyder, Chicken, Eddie Dezine, Jason Bernard, uh, Jesse DeGoin, Stephen Lee, Art LaFleur, William H. Macy, uncredited. William H. Macy, uncredited. Oh, John Spencer. I said him. You did? Yeah. God. Leo McGarry himself. That's right. Old heart attack Leo. Um, Yeah, that's who's in, uh, that's, who's in War that's Games. That's who else, I mean, those are some of the people. Those. Off what the about the remake? Heads. Who's in the remake? There's a remake of War Games? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. Isn't there? Um, I mean, there was a s- sequel, I'm pretty sure, called War Games The Dead Code, if I'm remembering correctly. That probably starred Matt Lanter, Amanda Walsh, Calm Fiore Chuck Shimada, Maxim Roy, Nicholas Wright, Gary Renike, Susan Glover, Trevor Hayes, Claudia Ferrari, V. V. Verana, Nikki Mabe, Claudia Black, Russell Yoon, Robert Higgin, Michael McLaren, John McLaren, John Kunskin, Alberta Del Lucinda Davis. When did they make a sequel to War Games? Um, off the top of my head, it probably came out around July 29, 2008. Huh. Wonder what percentage on Rotten Tomatoes that would have gotten. Uh, I mean, I as I recall, it was, you know, there there were only three reviews, I think, and two were negative, one was positive. Huh. So what about the I th- IMDb score? I IMDb it, score? I wonder if it even got one. Um, That I don't know. <laughs> I think it's 4.5 out of 10. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I do know. I mean, I, one thing that I do remember is, Because I I, I was reading the San Francisco Examiner this day. Uh, The the critic Rossiter Drake gave it a two out of four. Oh, Drake gave it two out of four. Yeah, he said it keeps the formula topical, replacing Soviet aggressions with cyber-savvy terrorists. Ah, that's... But the renovations end there, is what I remember him saying. But, yeah. yeah. Hmm. War Games, The Dead Code. Well, you can't win them all, right? That's the thing. Every once in a while, you put out War Games, The Dead Code. And it doesn't quite connect. It doesn't quite connect with But then audience. sometimes you put it out, and it's a goddamn blockbuster. This, Everyone loves it. Why don't people, if movies don't make enough money, mm-hmm. just put it out again? No one's going to remember. Right. They could put out War Games, The Dead Code right now now exactly. tomorrow put it out tomorrow blockbuster makes a little bit of money that rotten yeah. Tomatoes score goes up to a hundred percent people people 100. are like oh the marvels though it didn't make enough money for a marvel movie. just put it out again. put it out right again put, put it, it, it out it. right now i'll go see it put it out you know what or put it out in 200 years it'll make it'll so make, much money yeah by then movie tickets will cost like probably 100 a hundred b- million dollars a hundred million dollars a piece yeah so it'll even make if a- two people go see it 200 mi- you make your budget back That's so much money. It's like, guys, come on. I know Hollywood accounting. What are you looking at? What did the first War Games get on Rotten Tomatoes? I mean, if I had to guess... I'm just not seeing it here, buddy. If I had to guess, I would say
1: probably
0: (laughs) 94% of the tomato meter 76% audience score probably yeah do you how often are you on rotten tomatoes looking at your own movies can we name one of your movies no no let's not do this uh can I look up torque uh, sure I think Torque might be higher than you think. Am I right? Or is it like 20? I thought it was not- at zero. So yes, it is higher than I thought. It's 22%. Oh, uh, yeah. No, not Torque. That's not what I was thinking. What of. are you Sorry. thinking of? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. That's not the one I was thinking of as having which, higher than you would think. Which movie? I was thinking of a different one. Okay. We'll figure out what that is. Okay. All fair. All right um but i am excited for your new movie uh madam web coming out very soon we want we want to make sure uh i believe sony called us up and said please mention madam web yeah i'm sure on the podcast we we need to get the word out about madam web uh where um Adam plays a young Ben Parker, um, according to internet rumors. That's right. And, and also probably the IMDb. Is your name listed in it already? Should we wrap up this episode of Who Else is in War Games? I guess so. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was a, by far the longest episode yet of that podcast. <laughs> I feel like they listed... Everyone who was in war games both versions both, both that and the sequel was was he like Matthew Broderick's son in the sequel I think like he was how his did that neighbor. work his neighbor here listen to what what they say about it okay wait I'm back at Lana del rey's discography <laughs> um okay war games this podcast is literally us just browsing the internet <laughs> okay so it's um it is a teen guy but uh uh Will Farmer's neighbor no Will Farmer who's was Will Farmer in the first one? I don't know. War Games is a good piece of IP, right? Yeah, it seems like they kind of maybe fucked it up. I guess so. The Dead Code, what is that? Code, mean? What is it? I want I mean this is the great thing about that title it raises so many questions that I'm like I got to pop this motherfucker in and just take a look. Take a little look-see at the little dead code. What is uh, Matthew Matthew Broderick's character's name in- In War Games. War Games. If you had to guess, what do you think it is? Mm, Matthew- (laughs) Computer guy? Matthew Computer Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, I- i do not know don't know don't care i'm gonna eat your underwear adam hmm please (laughs) okay david his name is David. oh thank god we figured out by the way this is we're back in who else is in war games yeah i mean that's ridiculous hey everyone welcome back to who else is in war games episode three now we're now we're trying to figure out character names. <laughs> we've listed <laughs> we've listed all the actors. Now we want to know we're we're doing the flip side of this question when we say who else is in War Games? What are their characters' names? What what characters are in War Games? <laughs> we know David obviously. David, David. I, how about Ali Sheedy's character? What's her name? Like, I'll give you a hint. Okay, there's a movie with this name in the title, and it's Godzilla. Is Z- Z- Body, body. Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer's body. Yeah. Interesting. Good movie. So when you hear the the name Jennifer, yeah, your mind immediately goes to Megan to, Fox to <laughs> the Karen Kusama movie. Jennifer Bo- Jennifer's Je- body. Je- Jennifer's Je- body. Jennifer body. Jennifer body. My name is Jennifer. S My name's body. body. Jennifer body. <laughs> Jennifer s body. Uh. By the way, the S has a little apostrophe next to it. Yeah, there's an apostrophe. Preceding it. Uh, Who does John Wood play in war games? Um, Colonel? No, come on, Scott. Jesus Christ. Mr. David's father? I don't know. Who's John Wood? John Wood is the guy they find on the island. The island of what? Troy. Troy what they find the 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 they they go and there's a pterodactyl flying i oh 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 oh, jurassic park there's a pterodactyl flying it almost hits them they're like what the fuck is going on speaking of speaking by the way of jurassic park Mm -hmm. uh we were just talking about him mr margaritaville himself has a little cameo in jurassic world Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He is, Uh, you, you see the pterodactyls diving, you know, in the theme park part of it, where yeah. like, it's like the city walk part of it uh, before you get into the park. Yeah. Once all the uh, dinosaurs get loose, you see yeah. pterodactyls diving and attacking everyone. Uh-huh. You see him at a table with two margaritas trying to save the margaritas running away. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Is that the first of the Jurassic World movies? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. The starring Lauren Lapkus and Jake Johnson. Um, who, what is Dabney Coleman's character's name? Okay, this is an easy one. This is a layup. He played War R Games, which is where they get the title. Yep. He's uh, Mr. Games. Mr. Games. Okay. You have War Games on the brain. This is the second podcast episode. We're trying to do a podcast about Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> you whom, keep a- whom we have not mentioned <laughs> You keep up bringing once. War Games. No, you started this episode. All right,
1: bye. Bye. Wow.
0: I hope that's that was the the and We just listened to the Look, penultimate barely, and nope, final nope, episode. They barely scratched the surface okay. on who All else right. is in War yeah, Games. They, they Character get, name edition. They're going to need to dive back in <laughs> yeah. at some point. <laughs> I don't doubt that we will. Um. Yes. Okay. So Adam mentions uh, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Springsteen, um, American rock musician. And we are covering, if you haven't heard the show before, it's a new year, new podcast. We're covering the albums and output of said musician, American rock musician, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Yep. And on this particular episode, we are going to be covering an album called
1: Ball.
0: That's right. Um, that's how you pronounce it. Um and every time you say the title, that is the way it mm-hmm. needs to be pronounced. And I'm going and you're gonna get very tired of it, but I'm gonna try to do it every single time now okay. on this show. Great. Um so we're gonna be talking about the album. We're gonna be going track by track on it we're gonna have a good time uh, and adam's gonna get out in plenty of time but we need to take a break first we're gonna come right back we'll be right back with more you spring and springsteen on my bean welcome back you spring and spring scene on my bean that is a song called outside looking in from the promise which we did not cover although if we had more time we would have that's a if you haven't heard that one you should pick it up it is uh it's kind of kind of a darkness on the edge of town album uh of of discarded songs from that album but a lot of it they re-recorded so it's it's this weird cross of old sessions with uh new vocals sometimes sometimes completely new recordings um but it's a it's it, really good it's really good um we'll, we'll put it on our our uh, rankings at the end of the year if you haven't heard it go back and listen to it why didn't we cover it we don't have time you have to go okay um but uh, yeah, that that's one that I would keep in my car. So in my old car that I had for 14 years that I just gave up, um, it had a uh, an uh, a exterior auxiliary jack that I would plug in my iPod to. But if I ever forgot my iPod or because I would take it out of the car so it wouldn't get stolen, if I ever forgot it at home or whatever, I would then use the CD player, and that was the CD that was always in my player. So that was my backup. And when I loaned my car recently to my mother, that was in the CD player. And the Promise? The Promise. And she she asked, she said, hey... Um. Why do you still use a CD player? <laughs> no, she, she couldn't... CD playing is such new technology to her, she couldn't figure out how to take it out of the car. She couldn't figure out the eject button. <laughs> so she was like... There's a, there's a, I don't know whether it's a tape or what's in there, but it plays all the time. Because even your mom has moved on from CDs so <laughs> profoundly that she doesn't understand what this is. But she wondered what it was because she's like, I really love it. Um, and, uh. Oh, that's cool. She loved yeah. The Promise. That's so great. she would listen to that when whenever she was driving and it's a great record. So check it out. That uh, came out, uh, I think a year after working on A Dream and, um. They didn't uh, tour with it, but they did some promo, like they did uh, Fallon and shit like that. What do you think of of everything I just said? Oh, deeply interesting. (laughs) It's so hard to be doing a podcast when the person you're doing it with is just looking at his fucking phone. Well, I was looking at The Promise. Yeah, I was actually listening (laughs) to what you were saying. (laughs) So when you said deeply interesting, you were being sincere? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no i was i was actually looking at the promise and then the stuff that came out uh from there to till you know present time and the the interesting thing and i know we're not getting to it today is there are two western stars albums and i've never been able to quite figure out why. which one's the real one well the first one's the real one the second one is the live one, slightly different versions from the movie. I can we can we talk about it next week? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Okay, great, uh, fine, fine. Okay, we have a deal. Let's shake on it. Fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Great. (laughs) We shook. Wow, that was a weird (laughs) handshake. Yeah, well. Let's try that again. I think the spit was making a noise, and then the wind as they like... Okay, Okay, here we go. (laughs) Huh. Interesting. Okay, well, when you spit in your hand, that's what happens. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Okay, okay, so we're talking about an album called Wrecking Ball today. Let's do some stats, Adam. Yes, indeed. This came out... March 6th, 2012. Yes, indeed. I mean, now, why is that so scary? It's just a frightening combination. Mm. I mean, it's right before the Ides of March. So so he has an album that, uh, that comes out on right Where you when the this? Obama administration starts... Yes. Which so, is magic. Like, like a, a couple weeks after. After the inauguration. Which is not magic. It's working on a dream, but yeah. Oh, is that working on a dream? Yeah. Remember we talked about- Oh, magic week? was 07. Sorry. We talked about working on a dream. He was doing the inauguration. That's and expected right. to do this, the Academy Awards and the Super Bowl. And then this time. one is election year 2012, when we weren't sure if Obama was going to prevail. Yes. No. This no. is a few months earlier yeah. uh, in March. A mere year and a half after The Promise came out. Yep. Um, he didn't tour behind The Promise, as previously discussed in a very interesting section of this show. That's right. Um, okay, March 16, 2012. Length, what, if you had to guess, 56 minutes. Little shorter, it's 5140. Oh, you're interesting. Not far off. Okay. 5140. I would say too long, but Me we'll... too. Okay, interesting. We have three singles uh one was released uh, in uh, a few months a couple months before the album came out we take care of our own right and then when the album came out uh about a month later rocky ground came out and then a month after that death to my hometown three singles i believe it went to the album went to number one in the u.s i remember doing very well am i wrong about that well, let's talk about it afterwards. Oh, uh, okay. It did It did go to number one. It um, That's it's doing pretty well in my book. It went gold in the US, okay. not, not even platinum. Well, it's hard. The music industry yeah. has changed so much at, uh, at this point. That's pretty good. Worldwide, we're talking a million and a half, baby. That's not bad for post. Uh, I'd love know. to sell a million and a half of anything. Me too. I'd love to sell a million and a half bananas. Sure. At a million dollars a piece. Yeah. That would be like my personal dream. That would be a lot of money. That's just you. You'd be so freaking rich. If if I was selling them for a million bucks each, I'd be fine even smelling. (laughs) 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 Smelling (laughs) what? 200 of them. (laughs) So you smell? So if you had a million bananas, as long as you could smell 200 of them. (laughs) I don't need to even sell them. I just want to smell them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, um, there goes old smelling bananas at him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this, uh, you mentioned it came out uh, right before Obama's inauguration because I think that ties, or sorry, before his reelection. Yeah. That ties into sort of what this album is about yes. a little bit. So the, so, the story behind it is springy himself mm-hmm. is driving around in a car. I think it was a car. He doesn't specify. It could have been a tractor. He could, who knows? He could have been just riding a plane down the highway. Yeah. Or a motorcycle. Yeah. Who's going to stop him? I won't. I probably, I, I would. Yeah. I'm sort of like Marky Mark on nine 11. <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, weird guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) You may work with him, so you don't want to say? pretty much. I'm not going to. Um, But, uh, uh, so he's driving around after going to a bar. um, uh, uh, It's safe to assume several hours have passed since his last drink. Mm -hmm. He's totally sober. Um, And he starts singing uh, one of the songs that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, the, The first lyrics to it. And he realizes... Oh, I have an album. This is what the album one is going to be about. Okay. He's upset about um 2008. He's upset about the financial collapse of the yeah. housing system. Uh he's a lot going on. This I would say this is his most political album since Tom Joad, yes. probably for sure. For sure. Um he's he's just very upset at at the ruination of the middle class and and even the working class yeah. at the expense of uh, these corporations getting richer. He, and, and the banks, there was like zero consequence. Zero consequences. They all got bailed out. Um, and he, I think that one of the quotes is, this is his first album where he writes about a guy in a tie because he's always written about the the working man. Yeah. In this, he's writing about the uh, corporate uh, execs who have um, swindled everyone out of their money. Yeah. And uh, so he he has the first song, and then he just in a rush writes a whole bunch of other songs. A couple of them are from a gospel movie project he was writing that he has never talked about in length because he still hopes it will come out. Um, That makes sense. So uh, he includes a couple of those songs in there. And um, then a little guy, now Brendan O'Brien, we've talked about him. He honestly looked like he was on his way out the last record. Yeah. He uh, uh, wasn't really being listened to or anything like that. So a little guy, this is where uh, a little guy named Ron Aniello enters the picture. Yeah. Tell me about Ron. Ron, which I'm going to assume is short for Ronald John Anniello, is uh, from Las Vegas, Nevada. He's an American songwriter, producer, composer, and musician. Hmm. Um, So this morning I was looking at his credits. It seems like he's part of the sort of Christian rock seen for a long period of time in the early 2000s. He's like working with bands like Sixpence None the Richer and Lifehouse Uh and Days of the New. uh, Is Lifehouse a Christian rock band, sort of? I think they are. I mean, a lot of these band names seem like they're uh, 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 a Christian band. I just looked up Lifehouse and it says that they... uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, but whether or not they're Christian rock bands, Jars it, of he, Clay definitely is. He's yeah, worked with them, but he's working with like kind of down the middle, like straight ahead yes. kind of rock kind artists. Of, kind of these these if if they are Christian artists, they're crossing over to the mainstream. Sure, like Sixpence None the Richer definitely did. Yeah, yeah. Jars of Clay, um, but he's working also working with Bare Naked Ladies, Guster um people like that. And so uh, in 2007 he works with uh Patty Scalfa hmm. on her solo record Play as it lays. He's mm-hmm. the co-producer on that. And from what I am piecing together in the source material that I have is that he kind of was meeting Patty about doing a record and he came out to the farm where they lived and then he just kind of like hung out and mm-hmm. Uh, lived there for months and months mm-hmm. at a time and Bruce was like hey get the fuck over here <laughs> play on my album and he just kind of like lived on the farm for a long time and was was available to Bruce at any time of day to to do this and so Rad. so just kind of you know became the producer of this this record it's just cool. it's, hanging around it's cool in the the just does fundamentally sound differently than the last couple or last three albums yeah it's definitely it feels like a burst of new uh techniques and new record production we'll hear some of the songs a little later um so here's uh the other thing that happens uh before making this record so this record is has a few of the edible street band members on it but not all of them it's more of a solo record is that right yeah Huh. and and the ones that are on it like Max plays drums on three tracks. Is that right? And the Pearl Jam drummer Matt Chamberlain plays on most of them. I did not um, know that. Uh you know uh, I just assumed it was E Street Band. No, uh Steven, Lil Steven plays mandolin on a couple has uh, backing vocals on a couple on a couple um and huh. uh so it, it 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 is more of a uh, you know, Ron Annieello is is playing a lot of them yeah of the, sure of the music and he and he and springy are doing it kind of all together and then maybe that's part of why it sounds all, uh, quite different yeah he is he is bringing in patty and Susie Terrell uh to do a lot of it uh-huh. and there's they're like auxiliary edibles so um the other thing though that happens is on the working on a dream tour um Clarence is obviously ailing and not doing well. And Bruce is kind of like wondering how he's doing, but he's keeping it very private. And uh, he starts to notice that there's this kid who's helping him Mm -hmm. at every show. And um, he doesn't know who this kid is. Uh, he's not, never been introduced to him or anything like that. So, but this kid is there and he slowly starts to realize that this kid is there in case Clarence can't go on, Mm. um, on the show, on any show. And he's there as like a backup Mm -hmm. that Clarence has brought Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to, you know, it's cover your shift. Yeah. 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 You know, he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want the, the, the show to suddenly not have a key part to it. So Springy doesn't know who this kid is, but Clarence never misses a show. Yeah. Um. So Max misses a few shows on the Working on a Dream, and his son plays. Uh Um. Who you can read about in other places. Um. But uh. uh so Why does Max miss shows? He, because of his uh Tonight Show. That's when Conan got oh, the Tonight Show. Got it right. Yeah. So. In so so Springsteen is working on the Wrecking Ball album. He calls up clarence and he says like hey i want you to come in and do a session and clarence says i don't know i'm i he he had just played on lady gaga's uh was it edge of glory or uh one of those songs clarence clemens yeah Uh um and had just played on american idol with lady gaga Uh debuting it but he's like i don't know i'm feeling a lot of numbness in my playing hand uh-huh. I, I don't uh, and he had never missed a session before oh, man. but he says like I think I want to go see a specialist um and Springsteen says yeah sure yeah we'll we'll put this aside you can play you know in a couple of weeks or whatever uh Springsteen goes to Paris and in Paris uh he gets a knock on the door that Clarence has fallen into a coma oh man the entire band goes to the hospital uh camps out there the, i guess they put him in a room uh kind of adjacent to clarence away from all the other patients and they're all like playing music there every mm. every day uh a, it takes a week but clarence never comes out of it and uh, they say goodbye to clarence and that is our goodbye to clarence clemens oh, that's so fucking sad so one of the songs that they were working on that that bruce really wanted him to play on um he is all bummed about but we'll tell that story when we get to the to the uh to the actual song so Mm. that is uh that's a big change in in this um so that's pretty much well steve jordan plays steve jordan is back that's cool yeah steve jordan plays on one song he plays percussion on track and two. And Tom Morello. It's very easy to pick out where Tom Morello is. Yes. We'll pops talk in. about Tom <laughs> coming up. All right. So that's the story of the record. Um, anything I didn't cover that you want to cover? No. I did a good job. Just tell me I did you, a good okay. job. Okay. You did, Scott, you did a wonderful job. Thanks, Adam. You hardly ever compliment me. Teeing it's... up Wrecking Ball. It's so nice of you. Bruce Springsteen's greatest album. Just kidding. <laughs> I was just. Getting, and you didn't say it the right getting way. getting your attention i didn't wrecking ball <laughs> uh, wrecking ball is that how you said it? i think that's how he said it all right we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna hear wrecking ball um hear the songs from it Sp- springsteen's most political album since tom joad is it a banger or is it a stinker a true stinker rooney or is it somewhere in between We're going to actually, I was going to answer it right now, but we're going to answer it after the break. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to come back with more You Spring and Spring on My Bean after this. Welcome back. You Spring and Spring on My Bean. He's a rocker. Oh, he is a rocker. Um, I'm talking about Wrecking Ball, the Bruce Springsteen album, um, named best album of 2012 by Rolling Stone. Boy, they were on the cutting edge. They gave it five stars, which means a classic. I feel like they've given all of his albums, all of his Every last Rolling like Stone records. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mick Jagger's solo album from sure. 2001, <laughs> yeah. five stars. Yeah, classic. I remember reading that review and just being like, "Oh my god!" and going out and buying it and being like, <laughs> "What? The, wait, what am what? I listening to? What is this? Which one is that? Primitive Cool? Which? Who, no, this is uh, Goddess in the doorway. Oh, Goddess in the doorway. Oh my, remember Lord. that? Yes, I remember it. Ooh. Um. Still, we love him. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> Probably the best album I've ever heard. Um. Yeah. So we're listening to to Wrecking Ball. Uh, Wrecking Ball. Uh, wrecking Ball and um you want to do it adam what do you say yeah let's go let's Let's go let's fucking do it here we go this is track one this is we take care of our own this is by bruce springsteen care of our own adam wherever this flag's flown now they talk he talks about how this is another one of his misunderstood songs because huh. he said not since born in the usa has a song been kind of this misunderstood i think i think a lot of people view it as like a jingoistic uh-huh like this is the USA. We take care of our own. Uh-huh. We've always done it. And I think what Springsteen is trying to say, it's a little aspirational in a way, but he's trying to introduce the the theme of we take care of our own and then saying like, this is where we failed at doing this. Uh-huh. What do you think? Yeah, like that's the idea behind this country is yeah. that we help each other out and we... Take care of each other. That's why it's a democratic republic rather than a true democracy. You and your democratic republic and your electoral college. How how much I'm, you love it? I'm sorry, um, but can we talk about the electoral college and why it's so great? <laughs> uh, um, he, I, I think uh, a lot of this record also was written in the wake of Katrina. Uh, I think that's the reference to the Superdome. Is, yeah, is what. Although Katrina is like. Eight years ago, in twenty twelve, right? Two thousand four. Hurricane... Or was it two thousand six? Uh two thousand five. Two thousand five. But you know, Superdome—that's definitely a, a reference. To yeah. That. I, I mean, I guess when I say in the wake of it, I mean a lot. A lot of these things are on his mind. Yeah. Of but how, the financial collapse certainly, because yeah. twenty twelve, we were not recovered. Right. Um. Yeah, I remember. I remember in 2008 during the election when everything collapsed and everyone trying to say like it is going to take us yeah. more than one term yeah. to repair this damage and then everyone forgets about it like two years later and it's like yeah. why isn't everything better yeah um and but they had accomplished a lot in the, those four years but people were still hurting yeah so I kind of feel like with this song I like the sound of it I like. It, it's kind of reminiscent of, of, uh, newer bands like, uh, Arcade Fire and Gaslight. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And it sounds like a great opener for a concert. Mm-hmm. And, but it almost feels like something that happens a few times in this album where the message for me kind of feels like it, it's prioritized above the songs a little bit. Yes. Agreed. It's a little on the nose recordings. Um, Appreciate it, uh, and I and I sort of I, I like the melody too. It's a little. It feels a little. What was that Paul McCartney song, which was like the Freedom, Freedom. <laughs> yeah, um, it feels a little like that, but I but I think Springy is trying to say like, no, there's more of like a acerbic sense of like, fuck you, we didn't do this. And, yeah, but it's not coming necessarily coming across. No, it feels like it's a straightforward. Kind of uh like, hey, we're American. It's it feels you know what it feels like to me is it feels like that part when they had to reshoot the end of Spider Man after after nine eleven and it has a bunch of New Yorkers going like, This is New York. We we you don't fuck with New York god I, I, To I the don't Green really, Goblin. I don't remember. <laughs> like what, what better uh message a uh, way to get that message out than uh have it having it be screamed at the Green Goblin? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I think it's it's fine. I, I don't think it's like a great song or, or a real, it's not like a clear hook. It's surprising to me that that was like I, a, the first big single. I do like the big booming drums. I like yeah. the me too. guitar part of it. Yeah. It's just maybe the lyrics are a little obvi. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's go to track two. This is Easy Money. This is by Bruce Springsteen.
2: You put on your coat.
0: Easy money, Adam. I like this a lot. Um, this is I, the song, by the way, that he was singing on the way to the Home from the Oh, it is. That made him want to write the whole Is album. it the theme to the Rodney Dangerfield film? Yeah. Uh, Easy money? It is. Uh, actually, I think... That it, was Billy Joel. <laughs> was the, really? Yeah, he had a, a song called Easy Money, I think, that was the theme to that. Oh, no, this is the theme song to Back to School. The Rodney oh, Dangerfield. right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um. I like I I re, re- revisiting this album I uh, forgotten just how like rootsy it's, and americana and like it's a I com- guess, yeah it's a combination of like his Seeger sessions sound yes, with very, like celtic music like yeah. ogy type stuff and then like gospel. straight ahead rock songs Yeah too, ro- rock and gospel yeah and then a little bit of rap later with But definitely be. the Seeger sessions seem to have uh influenced a lot. Yeah of this. it's um so yeah I I I think And again, good, oh, oh, the drum sound I wanted to mention, uh, they were originally producer Ron wanted to, uh, use the sample to, we will rock you in it. And he put that in and then Springsteen was, this is another, this is the first album I think where there are samples used. Um, one song sounds a little like Moby a little later that we'll hear, but, um, um, but Springsteen nixed it and instead they recorded that themselves. There's no um, credit for the drums on uh, We Take Care of Our Own. I was wondering if that was Springsteen they, they talk or Annie about, Yellow. They talk about on some of these songs, they both played the drums at the same time because neither of them are a good drummer. Yeah. So they, like, one of them would handle the bass drum and huh. then maybe a cymbal and the other would do the snare or whatever. Huh. So it sounds like they were just kind of experimenting. Yeah. Uh, I also know that, that, uh, producer Ron, um, had sampled drum sounds from E street band performances that he would also layer in and stuff. So there's a lot of like sampling going on. So what do you think of that song? I think it's good. I mean, I, it, I I definitely heard him play it a few times on that tour. It's like on this tour. yeah, Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's catchy. Uh, it is rootsy in that way that like, you know, like Lumineersy and, uh-huh. uh, 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 Mumford and Sonsy in that way. That's like good in small doses for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What do you think? <laughs> you yeah, I do. I do like it. I, I, I do like the, the song. Yeah. I like this, you know, version of him where he's kind of more that kind of starts with Seeger sessions and and he kind of carries with them for the rest
1: of his days day. <laughs>
0: for <laughs> the rest of his days up until this day although letter to you doesn't have much of this. yeah yeah um okay this is uh track three this is shackled and drawn by bruce springsteen To the grave. Shackled and drawn, Adam. He's talking about unemployment, uh, people being in the prison of unemployment and uh, while everyone's making a ton of money above them. Uh, what do you think, Adam? I like this song. Very much. Yeah, it's again, it's... Oh, this is one that he wrote for the gospel film that he was trying to make. What is the gospel film he was trying to make? Uh, you'll recall when I mentioned it, mm-hmm. he... Uh, Uh, you'll recall me saying that he doesn't want to say too much about it because he still hopes that it will be made. Oh, I see. So that's all you know? Well, there, you know, without hiring a private investigator to go through his trash. Are you a producer on this movie? You don't want (laughs) to? Look, I'm angling for a producer role on this movie. Huh. This is a weird way of doing that. Uh, I feel like you're not as uh, inclined to enjoy the rootsier side of bruce springsteen i like it i i i mean i'll give my verdict at the end of this okay but um i i i like it i don't love it yep but i but again these are catchy songs i heard him play them quite a few times yep. how many times did you see this tour i think i saw this particular one twice and then you know would would listen to the the recordings of of the tour as well. And and so a lot of these songs are deeply ingrained in me. So yeah. like whenever I hear them, I'm like, oh, this is a hit. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. a way. But then listening to the whole album, I'm a little uh well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay, this is uh track four. This is Jack of All Trades by Bruce Springsteen.
2: out your drain I'm in your roof to keep out the rain I'll take the work that God provides I'm a jack of all trees. Honey, we'll be all right I'll hammer the nails And I'll set the stone I'll harvest your crops When they're ripe and grown I'll pull that engine apart That up. And right. I'm a jack of all trades. We'll be alright. The hurricane blows, brings a hard rain. When the blue sky breaks, feels like. The world's gonna
0: change Adam, this is such a slow song. I'm just gonna world's burst like in in the middle of a... Sure. This is a six-minute song. What do we think of Jack of Trades? It's fine. It's a kind of a boring. Lig- lugubrious, oh. maybe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on, I think it's the kind of thing he's done more interestingly elsewhere. Right. It's definitely on his topic that he wants to talk about. Yeah. He's, I like that. Some of this sounds like Beirut, which I really like. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. This part of it sounds really good. Tom Morello, by the way, comes in at the end. That's right, and does uh, a solo. Apparently, he came in and did more Rage Against the Machine type solos, Mm -hmm. which were like I can only imagine sounded like.
1: (laughs) And Bruce
0: was like, "Why don't we try something? uh, What's the the actual quote? Uh, uh, Try something a little more elegant." Uh, so they, he did several, several takes, and they pieced together um, where it ends up. Let's try to find that, by the way. Where is it? A little later in the song. It's really pretty. I don't want to slag it as something that... I don't know. Something about the pace of it. Anytime this one would come on during the tour, it would be a little like... I saw this tour, too. I don't remember him playing... St- a a ton of this album but I would imagine he did yeah this this I mean Wrecking sorry Working on a Dream I don't think he played a lot from Working on a Dream Uh on that tour I think by the time it came out it was like kind of a dog and so he never played any of the songs this Mm. one I think he's really proud of and so he he, here we go by the way and so I think he really wanted to stress how good these songs were Mm -hmm. to people and really believed in them It gives you a little taste of elegance. So, t- yeah, I, I, I That's like kind of awesome. I like the rootsy stuff when other people do it a little more. Maybe I hmm. don't know. I don't know what the. Uh, uh, I, I like this album conceptually more than I like it in practice. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say. All right, let's go to uh, this is track five. This is "Death to My Hometown." Oh shit, Bruce Springsteen raising the musical question: "Death to My Hometown." by Bruce Springsteen. to my hometown he's talking this is one he's really talking about the financial crisis yeah what do you think Adam? I like it I like this vibe and I like it more than the Seeger sessions yeah because uh, I I just like these songs more yeah yeah maybe if Jack of all trades wasn't on, in there slowing mm-hmm. it down as track four mm-hmm. maybe uh, well we'll talk about maybe a resequencing mm-hmm. ideas of course this is mm-hmm. what are you listening to you're listening to you Spring Springsteen yeah. on my bean we're, we're gonna... gonna take it apart and put it right back together <laughs> <laughs> um, alright this is track six and uh, this is called This Depression and it's by Bruce Springsteen another song with the giant booming drums Mm -hmm. starting. about this song producer Ron talks about he believes he bolstered the drums with samples from 80 songs 80 songs uh, probably 79 or 80 different songs no n- 1980s songs oh I see what uh what do we think I would probably leave this one off if I were to I would to this is not my, my favorite I will say uh uh I don't think people knew for a few more years yet that uh, uh, Bruce was going through major depression times. And this is one of them. I I think for two years here, I think he was saying from like when he turned 60 to 62, and then it took a year off and then came back for a year or something. He's in like major, major depression, Mm -hmm. like crying all the time. Uh, and I think this is, this song is like a little more autobiographical than people even realize, because I think he's using two forms of the word depression, you know, the depression of, uh, you know, obviously financial financial depression, but, uh, he's also talking about his own depression. I think here, which I think is a great thing to do. Yes. But, um, leave it off this album. (laughs) Sing it around the house um yeah not my fave either okay let's go then this is sort of the second side of the even though this um it came out as a two lp set if you were really who cares all right this is uh the next song this is wrecking ball
2: i was raised out of steel hair in swamps jersey some misty years ago through the mud and the beard the blood and the cheers, I seen champions come and go. So if you got the guts, mister, yeah, if you got the balls, you think it's your time, then step to the line and bring on your wrecking ball. Bring on your wrecking ball. Bring on your wrecking ball. Come on and take your best shot. Let me see what you got on your wrecking ball. Now, my home's here in these metal lands where mosquitoes grow big as airplanes. Here, where the blood is spilled, the arena's filled, giants play games. So raise up. Let me hear your voices come. It's tonight all are dead or here. So bring on your wrecking ball. Bring on your wrecking ball.
0: Wrecking ball, Adam. I like this song a lot. This was originally written um, as a tribute to the old Giants Stadium, which was being torn down. Oh, interesting. And so they didn't. They sort of changed the lyrics, but not much, I think. There was some discussion about do we get rid of the specific references to a stadium and then... They make one there. They didn't, yeah. Um, But um, I think that the metaphor of, like, these financial institutions taking a wrecking ball to uh, the economy was sort of strong enough for him to say, like, it doesn't need that much tweaking. Um, And this is Max Weinberg showing up for the first time. Yes, they apparently, because they've been playing this as early as 2009. Uh huh. Apparently the original arrangement was more of an E Street band kind of thing because they played this live. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it sounded a little more like Arcade Fire, they say, which Uh I would be interested to hear what that version sounds like. But I like this version. It's kind of, again, a combo of Beirut-style horns and Celtic penny whistles and yeah. like off time gospel clapping yeah, yeah. you know not off time but uh maybe correct time uh gospel clapping but um an interesting interestingly produced record yeah i like it okay let's go now to the next track this is called you've got it adam and this is by bruce springsteen
2: no Ain't no school ever taught it No one ever made it Ain't no one ever bought it Baby, you got it Baby, you got it Come on, give it to me Ain't no one can break it Ain't no one can steal it Ain't no one can fake it You just know it when you feel it Baby, you've got it Baby, you've got it Come on Give it to me.
0: You've got it, Adam. They call this one a palette cleanser. It's the one song that doesn't have anything to do with the theme. Yeah. Uh I'd leave it off. Me too. Great, we've agreed. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All right. This is Rocky Ground. Was this a single? I don't remember. No. It was not? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it was I, a limited edition 7-inch as part of Record Store Day. Huh. Um, okay, this is Rocky Ground, and this, this is the one that I was mentioning. Sounds slightly like Moby because it uses an old blues sample mm. uh, over it, but here we go. This is Rocky Ground by Bruce Springsteen. It also has— Oh, you're right. It is a, It was a single. Yeah, I know.
1: Traveling over rocky
2: ground, rocky ground. Rise up, Shepherd, rise up. Your flock is roaming far from the hill. Stars have faded, the sky is still. Angels are shouting, glory
1: and.
2: Forty days and nights of rain have washed this land. Jesus said the money changers in this temple will not stay. Find your flock, get them to the higher ground. Flood waters rising in Canaan. service come judgment day. Oh, we cross that river wide. Blood on our hands will come back on us twice.
0: Hear a little wah wah guitar that Springsteen's playing here, which mm. is not something he usually does. Mm so this is okay so this is an interesting track it's got a little rap later um here's the sample uh from an old song in the from the 40s someone going i'm a soldier so like a cross between moby stuff with wah-wah shaft guitar gospel rap an interesting i think it hangs together what do you think adam i think it's pretty it's not my favorite if you're gonna have like a slowdown song yeah maybe this album suffers from too many just like palate cleansery songs i guess so um i think this is one you put in the middle of the record sure. maybe to close outside one yeah yeah yeah. oh here we go um, i guess that producer ron was bringing up a lot of like famous people to kind of sing the hook uh-huh uh, like Al Green and even uh-huh. Nas and stuff like that and, uh-huh. and Spring you went for a local gospel artist Michelle Moore that's cool who I think that's cooler like, yeah totally You know, and instead, it sounds really good yeah and she and then suddenly she's singing with a chorus
1: yeah
0: I think it I think this is cool in a better sequenced album it would be like a highlight but but in this album there's too many songs dragging oh, it down very, maybe yeah. yeah maybe put it like number four or something like highlight it a little more yeah I would I would make I would say four or five six seven, I would make this a nine song album and make it like the centerpiece four of. or five yeah um okay then let's go to this is the second to last track uh this is now we we talked about this track a while ago um because they recorded a live version of it that came out um but this is the official album version this is land of hopes and dreams this is by bruce springsteen But I think what's interesting about this reimagining of the song is uh, producer Ron had no idea how popular the song was mm-hmm. with fans. So, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually listened to the the album or the the live version that they put out once, and Springsteen was like, "Let's not listen to this again because it's too perfect." Mm-hmm. So. Ron just basically like did whatever he wanted with it and did some stuff that is totally unlike put it in a different tempo uses like electronic drums what's the live where was the live version like where was it released it ended up on the essential Bruce Springsteen um officially um, but I think that everyone had their hand and he had just been playing it on every tour yeah. and stuff. Let's, let's hear the live version okay. b- before this, before one. we make a, uh, a our official Well, the pre 2012 live version could be interesting to hear. Uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, here we go. Uh, oh, also it was on the big concert from New York city that they, they put out. But uh, let me find the exact version of it. Here we go. This is Land of Hope and Dreams. This is the original live version that they put out. What do you think adam it's cool it's interesting I, I i feel like whatever version you heard the first yeah. is the one you're used to yeah uh so i think most fans like huge springsteen fans knew this version and so yeah when it was reimagined for wrecking ball maybe they didn't like that version but mm. i i think the wrecking ball version is uh is really good me too i think it's an scc yeah it's a seven minute song person my personal feeling is it should have closed the album mm. um because it just reaches these heights that the rest of the album doesn't even reach yeah i kind of it kind of makes me wish that the album had more of this on it yeah more of the kind of agree arena like the, springsteen the, the the preponderance of the album is kind of this got this mix of gospel celtic uh pogues type stuff Um, and so if it had just tipped a little bit more towards arena rock, but, um, like the opening track and this one are more kind of, mm -hmm. if if, if there was one more of those, it would have balanced it a bit more. One interesting part of this song that I wanted to bring up when we were talking about Clarence is this is the song that Springsteen wanted Clarence to Uh come and play on because he had done, you know, done it live so many times. And uh, so, in that week that he was in the coma, uh, producer Ron Anniella didn't really know what to do, uh, and so he went back and listened to a bunch of live versions and picked out the sax solo from it and chopped it up. Oh, cool! And so, so that's what's on this. So that's what's on this. When Springsteen came back and was listening to their version, like after Clarence died, the day after he came back, he was he was kind of said ruefully we'll never have clarence on this song and ron said actually i have a version of that for you and played this solo and and bruce just burst into tears oh that's great um let's in fact let's see if there's a little bit of that uh i think it's coming up a little bit into this but yeah studio trickery works out for the best in this instance I don't know who plays drums on this track. I I don't know. Does it sound like it's electronic drums, maybe? Here it is. It just builds That's to this awesome. incredible crescendo. I think there's more of Clarence to come, too. But yeah. yeah, there he is playing in the background. They did a great job piecing this yeah. into a big, epic song. No, I think it's a great version. Um, probably the best song for me. Same. We still have one more to go, though, on the official uh released version. Um for some reason Springy felt like they needed one more song mm-hmm. to close the album out, even though that's like to me an epic closer. Yeah, like we for need sure. one more. Yeah. So here's uh We Are Alive. This is by Bruce Springsteen. You hear a little bit of a record scratch noise at the beginning. Even though it's not a vinyl rip. That's another bit of studio trickery. Mm-hmm wizards of Waverly Place.
2: There's a cross up yonder on Calvary Hill. There's a slip of blood on the silver knife. There's a graveyard kid down below. Where at night did come to life. Hell above the stars, they crackle in fire. A dead man's moon throws severed rays. Where well, we put our ears to the cold gravestones. This is the song they'd sing We are alive. And our bodies lie alone here in the dark. Our spirits rise to carry the fire and light the spark to stand shoulder to shoulder and high
0: What do you think, Adam? It's weird uh, way to end the album, <laughs> I think. I think he, After that giant, yeah. epic, crazy song. He's going for a thematic thing about the spirit and ideas of the world that go on and on yeah. throughout generations um, across the U.S. Yeah, There was a version, I think, where producer Ron put a Ring of Fire sample over it because it's very reminiscent of the... Sample? Crazy. Yeah. He loves his samples. This guy. Um, uh, I think I, I like it. It's nice. I would, I would have put it somewhere else. I would just put else. it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. yeah exactly. Same. Okay, so... Um, then there are the bonus there's tracks. There's the two right? bonus tracks. Um, let's hear them because one I like and one I don't like. I wonder if you have the same feeling hmm. or if you have a different feeling. Um, this one is called Swallowed Up in the Belly of the Whale, and it's by Ooh. Bruce Springsteen. kind of sounds like my sleep machine yeah it's quite mellow (laughs) oh really so was i until you started singing okay what do we think of this song (laughs) Uh, so far not much (laughs) i can't listen to this okay okay <laughs> it's uh not not, a, not my next favorite. next bonus track okay uh and this is one that i would put on the album proper this is called american land this was from the seeger sessions um and then they they start playing with the e street band the edibles um yeah this is a good good song This is very pogsy, but I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's cool. So, I think with some editing and some shuffling around, mm-hmm. this is a this is a good album that I would listen to. I just I find it a tough list for some reason. I like it conceptually more than I like it in practice. I think because it's not, I, I would take out three of the songs. Yeah, I I remember liking it a lot when it came out and listening to it quite a bit, but now kind of going back to it, um, I appreciate it more than love it. Magic is one that I'm listening to a lot since we did the episode, like really rediscovering how great that album is. Right. This one is a cool experiment. Um, It's great. There's some great songs on it. I think there's some great songs on it. I just yeah just let's it's more cohesive th- than working on a dream yes uh, definitely I the songs aren't as outstanding as magic maybe. I would probably take off jack of all trades this depression you've got it not you swallowed up in the belly of the whale which we didn't even listen to um but use all the others make it a 42 minute yeah. record uh if you had to if you, and that's 9 songs i'd keep jack if, of all trades if you keep, if you had to keep one i would say keep jack of all trades make it a 48 uh make it 10 songs 48 minutes yeah. uh just put jack jack of all trades a little bit maybe later or yeah. something but um yeah um but uh so so i think a return to form in a way and him doing something really interesting yes and finally talking about meaningful subjects again um, but not quite hitting the target for me. But um, but but we'll figure out where it again. Comes I feel in our like rankings. one more big like arena yeah. rock song would have balanced out the whole album. Yeah, you agreed, know, agreed. Maybe take off jack of all trades and write one extra song that's you know arena rock. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so the this comes out and uh, Bruce is pretty disappointed with the reaction to it. Really. So he he says, "Look, I know it came out; it was number one, but it just seemed like, and of course, Rolling Stone gave it a five star review, classic. (laughs) But he thought this was like one of his strongest collection Mm. of songs in a long time, and um, it just kind of, and he toured behind it relentlessly, and it just kind of was met with a shrug by the greater." uh, sense of culture in a way. And what he came to realize is that rock music was no longer the way that people were going to get interested in these types of songs Yeah, that hip hop had kind of taken its place and in the culture. And, you know, you could talk about these types of issues in hip hop and I think people would pay more attention, but rock music was sort of slipping from, uh, popularity. Yeah. So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer. Um, but he's also filling stadiums and arenas and he Sold a the million world. and a half. Yeah, it's it's like, come on, man, you're, all, you're all right. Yeah. But I, do, I do think it is. It's one of those things that you two obviously went through where mm-hmm. it's like, they take so long in between the records and suddenly the culture has just shifted. And it's yeah. like, oh, no one cares about rock music anymore. Yeah. Oh shit. It's true. um, But I remember culturally it being a big deal, you know, when it came out, but maybe not, certainly not to the point where a Bruce Springsteen album was a big deal, like in 1995 or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think he just squandered the 90s too much. Maybe, but and and then and then that audience is just older and yeah you don't the momentum the momentum after rising too yeah i think you know where he went off and did devils and dust and secret sessions yeah instead of really because you feel you feel at this point he's really got the momentum of like he's putting out he put out the promise and he's touring a lot and he's like doing rock albums you really feel like after the secret sessions for this period of time he's really like Hey everyone, the Edible Street Band is back together. We're doing great work. Come see us. Yeah. I see a lot of these shows, so it feels like he's part of the culture, but yeah. but I think certainly after the rising and kind of catching a cultural moment and he and YouTube both did that really well mm-hmm. and kind of helped heal, you know, culturally a bit. I think that anything will probably feel like a disappointment after yeah. a high like that probably. Yeah. So the other couple of things that happen is um, uh, uh, they go on tour for the Wrecking Ball tour and little Steven has to bow out for for a bit due to a little show called Lily Hammer. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, which I've never seen a single episode of. Have I haven't you? either. Um, but w- one of the first Netflix originals. Um, That's right. And uh, remember the posters everywhere? Oh, yeah. Just was lo- that 2012? I guess it was. I think so, yeah. So It's like pre House of Cards. It was. It was before House yeah. of C- I think House of Cards maybe was the second yeah, Netflix yeah. original or something. Actually Ted Sarandos was talking about to us that technically the first Netflix original was The Comedians of Comedy because they uh-huh. um so when we were doing The Ferns film he's like, "Yeah, you were the very first, huh. uh, but uh we I think we associate it more with Lily Hammer and House of Cards." But um, so little Steven bows out. And so they call up a gentleman by the name of Tom Morello. And he joins the edibles. Oh, that's right. For like the back half of the I tour. I remember that. I didn't see him play with them, I saw him. But, yeah. Um, the whole show. Yeah. Wow. The whole show. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, he joined for months. He was wow. uh, on this tour and we'll talk about it coming hmm. up. Um, So Tom Morello... Joins, but then um, they're the other thing that happens is they're looking for a replacement for Clarence, and I really think that Springy just feels like to replace some of these people, you really need to get their like their children, yeah. (laughs) Like it, just something about you know when Max was gone for the Tonight Show, he got he got Max's son to play, um. I think there was another instance of it that is not coming to my mind right now, but he just really, or, or someone in the family, yeah. because... Uh, it is a family, you know? It is a family, and, and so, like, they they technically could have gotten any saxophone mm-hmm. player in the world probably to step in, but Springsteen's mind keeps going back to the, to the young guy who had been escorting Clarence on the last tour. Turned out, This is Jake Clemens, who's the nephew of Clarence. Mm -hmm. And he's a saxophonist as well. And um, so it just kind of gets in his head like, this is a family. It feels right if if this guy can do it. But he's being warned by several members of the band who have worked with Jake. This guy's not ready. Mm. He's immature. Mm. He can't do it. And so he... Oh, another uh, part in the book, uh, Springy's book, which is very funny, is um, remember when we were talking a while back about band members who kept approaching, asking for money? I think Clarence was one because Springsteen mentions he said Clarence at one point said that he should be not only paid to play the saxophone, but be paid for being Clarence Clemens. (laughs) And, And Springsteen was like. And yes, he was paid for being Clarence Clemens because he was the highest paid saxophonist in the world. Right. At the time. Um, but anyway, um, That's really funny. So Springsteen says, Okay, let's audition. Here, here's the process. He calls up Jake and he says, Here's the process. Um, you're gonna audition with me first, none of the rest of the band. You and I are gonna gonna do four or five songs, and he gives them the names of the songs and he goes, You're gonna come to me first. And then we're going to audition with tapes of the band. And then you're going to do it with the band. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he gives them the name of the five songs. Sets the time. And Springsteen. Time goes by. He doesn't show up. Jake doesn't show (laughs) up. He doesn't show up. An hour later, Jake comes. And Bruce is like, why are you late? He's like, oh, I got lost. Um, He goes, okay, well... How old is Jake? At the time... I I think he's currently 43. This must have been then 10... He he was in his early 30s. Yeah. So he goes, okay, well, do you know the four or five songs? And Jake goes, kind of. And so Bruce has to sit him down and go like, this is not a job where you can kind of know things. Like this is not what you do in a professional audition. You have to... He goes go home. I don't even want to hear you today. Go home. Learn these down cold. Oh yeah. And then you can come back and then we'll we'll talk. So a week goes by and then Jake calls me and goes, "Okay, I know everything down cold." Uh and, and so but just what, what a weird ignominious yikes beginning yeah. to uh to uh the audition. I so he comes back, he knows everything, the audition to the tapes, he does really well there. He then Springsteen goes, this is the guy. And he, he apparently has to prove it to these other people in the edibles that he's worked with before who view him as a flake, but he, he nails the audition. So, uh, since then he's been the saxophonist. Yeah. He's great. He's really, really good. They, they, on that tour, they were intentionally not putting him in the position that Clarence was in stage position. Yeah. He was like part of the horn section. Yeah, they yeah, brought yeah. on a horn section and he was just one of the horns. And then he would come out and solo. Um, also on this tour, they would play 10th Avenue Freeze Out and say when the big man joined the band and then the whole band would stop and they would put up a huge picture of Clarence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, st- you know, everyone would freeze yeah. for like a minute while everyone like in the, in the crowd applauded and everything. So... But Springsteen was like, "We're not going to have you in the position. We're not going to do like the iconic things where like you and I are back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to do any of that stuff because people would take it as uh, an insult to the yeah. memory of your uncle. Now he says they're way more relaxed about that, yeah. and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But at the, but at that time, it was very much like we want to honor Clarence's yeah. memory. So those were the two uh, additions." um to the edible street band um for that tour um what do what do we think uh just generally about uh, uh, uh anything I'll take any topic um i i've seen him play with them a bunch and he's awesome and and it seems like now they've fully let him kind of cuz he really steps in and plays like yeah. at those and it's really like he's taken his uncle's Place but earned it and sounds great, sounds just like uh Clarence Clemens, yeah. Um, all right, well, that's um, gonna do it. That's the long and the short of it. Did I get you out in time? Did sure uh, did we feel good about the time we spent here listening to Wrecking Ball? Yeah, I'm excited for our last two episodes. I think we only, only, only have uh, only, only, only have two episodes. Only, only, only next week, we're going to cover two records. Uh, we're going to cover High Hopes. And Western Stars. Yep. We may listen to Western Stars. We may not, depending on how late Adam gets here and how Mm -hmm. early he has to leave. (laughs) But we're definitely going to listen to High Hopes um as well as probably american whatever it's called that ep he put out at the same time oh yeah um but uh, we may just talk about western stars conceptually i don't know we'll definitely answer your questions about the differences between the two uh, records. so many questions <laughs> and then for our last uh episode we're going to cover a letter to you maybe talk a, a little bit about his motown album but then we'll also rank his records yes that's and, a good idea yeah And, uh, that's gonna, uh, we only have two episodes left. Next week is our penultimate episode. Adam, are you excited? Yes. Mostly about the word penultimate. (laughs) And And now it's often misused. (laughs) Mostly also, I think, uh, uh, the fact that we're wrapping this up, right? You're excited about that. I am, but I want to find another artist possibly to do. Well, um, you know, how long do you think you'll be, uh, Maybe AHA or a band that has like one or two albums. <laughs> AHA has a lot of albums. Do they? Actually, yeah. Oh, I did They're know. very, very popular. How about ABC? Countries. Do they have a lot of albums? They have, if I had to uh, tabulate, uh, I believe they have eight albums. Okay. But, um, okay. We're going to go. Um, next week, you have your assignment for what you have to listen to. We'll see you then. But until then, we hope that you have found what you're looking for. Bye.